0: Coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the award-winning Parareality Radio. Good evening, everybody. My name is Sandman, and I'm going to be your host for the next two hours tonight. Thanks for tuning in. You know, it's Friday, February the 6th, 2015, and that means that it's time for Parareality Radio on a new night, new time. So thanks for uh, turning on, tuning in, and finding out what's going to be going on tonight. So uh, just exactly what is the show going to be about? Well, tonight I'm going to be talking about a phenomenon that if if you've listened to the show before or visited my Facebook page, you'll be aware that I'm very passionate about and I believe in quite firmly. I'm talking about the chemtrail phenomenon that's running rampant throughout our skies. It's not just happening here in the United States either. It's happening all over the world, but really it seems to be predominant here in in our skies in the United States. So what are chemtrails? What causes these things? What can we do to protect ourselves from them? Those are all questions that I'll answer tonight, right here on Parareality Radio. And since I'm going to be talking about conspiracies that could potentially involve our government, I'm also going to include a segment at the end of the show about how you can stop the NSA from spying on you by using your cell phone. Using your cell phone against you, your own cell phone. Then I'll close the show with a new segment that I'm debuting tonight that uh, I call Sandman Speaks. And this is basically where I'm going to give you my personal opinion about tonight's topic. So first of all, let me tell you how you can get into contact with me here at the show because you know that there are a few different ways that you can go about it. And if you're a first-time listener, then here we go. Write all this down, okay? Don't forget it. It's going to be a test sometime. First of all, you can send an email to me. That's sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or just go to parareality.com and uh, click on the contact page there. Um, um, I'm also available on Facebook. Just look for sandman.parareality. They're on Facebook. And also, you can still call the studio line. Still got it up and running. That's 615-692-1170. That number to call, once again, is area code 615-692-1170. You can call that studio line and leave me a message. Just be aware that I may play your comment or your message back on the show. And simply by leaving me a message, you are giving me permission to play your comment back. And you never know, I I might even just answer the phone because I'm always in the studio working on the show, doing something, and you just may actually catch me there and be able to to talk to me. But uh, if you'd like to leave a message, that number again is 615-692-1170. Email me, sandman at parareality.com, or look me up on Facebook, that's parareality. All right, so that about does it with the opening of the show stuff that I always have to go through and spend the first five minutes of every show talking about. So before we get into the main body of the show, talking about chemtrails, we're going to take a little break, let you listen to some music, and when I come back, we're going to talk about chemtrails, what they are, and how we can protect ourselves against them. I'll see you in a minute. (laughs) The word chemtrails is a knockoff of the word contrail. What are contrails? Contrails are trails of condensation that can be seen in the sky when a jet is traveling at above 30,000 feet in altitude. Up there, almost six miles high, the air is a lot thinner and a lot colder. It's very cold. Outside temperatures at that altitude can dip to minus 60 degrees Fahrenheit and the air is often full of minute ice crystals that hang suspended and invisible in the air. When these ice crystals get sucked into a hot jet engine, they turn into a gas like steam and they can be seen as puffy, white, cloud-like lines that follow behind the jets. They usually dissipate and fade away pretty quickly as the moisture once again returns to form these invisible ice crystals. So chemtrails are something that's completely different. They're often formed behind jet aircraft at a much lower altitude and seem to persist in the sky. They don't fade away like the contrails do they often have a different color from contrails and they frequently exhibit a rainbow-like spectrum if the light from the sun hits them at just the right angle the conspiracy behind chemtrails is well it, it adds another degree of complexity to the mystery It claims that certain trails are not just a a mere byproduct of modern aviation, but rather a deliberate attempt to introduce cloud-like formations in the atmosphere, restricting our sunlight, and possibly poisoning us with chemicals. Hence, the name chemtrail, chemical trail, chemtrails. Well, are these things real? Yes, in my opinion, chemtrails are real. The term chemtrail, in fact, was first introduced by a journalist named William Thomas way back in 1997. He wrote about something that many people had been seeing in the skies above their homes all across America. It, It wasn't so much that people noticed the white trails from jets, or even that there appeared to be more of them than they remembered in the past, but that aircraft making these white lines were flying in unusual ways, often in zigzag patterns or making multiple parallel lines of white trails that tended to expand and eventually cover the sky with a canopy of clouds. Initially, people began to question the government, thinking it was some kind of weather control project. But NASA and NOAA and even the military have denied any knowledge or involvement in this phenomenon. Independent researchers, convinced that something has been going on all this time, they've posed all kinds of sinister theories which gained acceptance from the government's apparent lack of interest and even ridicule of the idea that there's anything unusual at all. Analysis of these chemtrails, as you can guess, is very difficult to pull off, at least from the ground. But occasionally, just occasionally, the trails have drifted to much lower altitudes and apparently condensed to form strange residues that have been collected from trees, roofs, and especially bodies of water such as lakes, rivers, and ponds. I guess the only true way that you can grab a uh, sample of what's going on in the chemtrails are to have, I don't know, some sort of aircraft with some sort of collection device on it. Fly through one of the trails. I um, that you know that's entirely possible. I just don't know if anyone's thought about it or if they have. They haven't figured out how to do it yet. I don't know. Maybe I should invent something like that, but I'm not that damn smart, am I? So, what are in these chemtrails? That the ones that have been able to be analyzed. Well, lab tests show that chemtrails contain aluminum. Back in 2008. There were some chemtrail chemtrail samples that were collected around California's Lake Shasta and the Pitt River Arm Tributary. These things were tested in a state-certified lab following weeks of flyovers and chemtrails in the area. The results of the water samples showed, get this now, 4,610,000 parts per million of aluminum. Ladies and gentlemen, that's 4,610 times the maximum contaminant level. 4,610,000 parts per million of aluminum. That is a lot of aluminum. At another pond that was filled with filtered water and actually confirmed to contain zero aluminum, tests revealed 375,000 parts per million of aluminum, which is 375 times the maximum contaminant level. And this was after only 18 months exposure to this chemtrail spraying. The usually pristine snowpack from the ski bowl area of Mount Shasta, it showed 61,000 parts per million of aluminum. So what's going on here? Why all of this aluminum? What what the hell is going on? Well, at first, the logic of putting fine particles of aluminum in the atmosphere seems well, strange, okay? But a little research reveals that this plan was considered necessary uh a long time ago, several decades ago. In fact, the idea of spraying aluminum oxide from jet aircraft was Patented by Hughes Aircraft in 1990. It's patent number five zero zero three one eight six. All you got to do to see that patent is go to www. dot is in Papa, t is in Tom, o is in Omega. dot gov. That's www. Dot gov and the patent number once again is five zero zero three one eight six. Now the proposal of this plan was to um, add tiny particles to the fuel of jet airliners so that the particles would be emitted from the jet engine exhaust while the airliner the airliner was at its cruising altitude. And that's a that's a quote. Okay, so here is a summary. of of the invention of this patent number 5003186. And I'm going to just read this directly, okay? And it goes something like this. Actually, it goes exactly like this. A method is disclosed for reducing atmospheric warming due to the greenhouse effect resulting from a greenhouse gases layer. The method comprises the step of seeding the greenhouse gas layer with a quantity of tiny particles of materials characterized by wavelength-dependent emissivity or reflectivity and that said materials have high emissivities in the visible and far-infrared wavelength regions and low emissivity in the near-infrared wavelength regions. Such materials can include the class of materials known as Wellsbach materials, The oxides of metal, e.g. aluminum oxide, are also suitable for the purpose. The greenhouse gases layer typically extends between about 7 and 13 kilometers above the Earth's surface. The seeding of the stratosphere occurs within this layer. The particles suspended in the stratosphere as a result of the seeding provide a mechanism For converting the black body radiation emitted by the Earth at near-infrared wavelengths into radiation in the visible and far-infrared wavelength so that this heat energy may be re-radiated out into space, thereby reducing the global warming due to the greenhouse effect. Wow, that was a mouthful of stuff, wasn't it? But wait... There is more. There could actually be a more sinister use of aluminum than just having it reflect heat and sunlight back out into space. You'd think that the government would be happy to announce that they had a plan to help reduce global warming, right? I mean, you know, it's been a hot-button topic for a long, long time now. So you'd think the government would be like, hey, we've got this plan here to uh, stop this. So if, if spraying powered aluminum oxide from jetliners would stave off the dire predictions of violent storms and melting ice caps and rapidly rising ocean levels, most people would likely have you know, applauded this and maybe even approved it, right? There would have been no need for secrecy and denying what people have been seeing in the skies over their homes for years, since 1997, maybe even before. So is there really another reason for these chemtrails besides just reflecting light and heat back into space? Well, there absolutely is. That was the late Edward Teller, who was a member of the Manhattan Project and father of the hydrogen bomb, co-founder and director of the Lawrence Livermore National Library, who proposed this geoengineering technique together with a man named Roderick Hyde, or actually two men, Roderick Hyde and Lowell Wood, and who designed a variety of mixtures according to the specific task they had to perform, among which figure the deployment of electrically conducting sheets or metallic nets of ultra-fine mesh spacing in the atmosphere. But their concern wasn't global warming. It was the growing dependence on and vulnerability to semiconductors. Yep, we're talking about semiconductors here. In a paper that was presented to the U.S. Air Force titled Electromagnetic Pulse Threats in 2010, Major Colin R. Miller describes the dangers from atmospheric radiation, which could shut down everything in America, bringing bringing us back virtually to the Stone Age almost. Disruption of semiconductors in our present society could cause everything to cease, from the basics like water and power to emergency services, all communication, transportation, and our national security. He outlines vital importance of shielding these circuits both individually and globally. Now in a 2009 interview with Ludwig Glints about Cephric frequencies, semiconductor technologies and their effective uh, preservation and protection, um, founder of the LiveNet concept, a, a guy named Huey Binken, uh, uh, he, he founded the LiveNet concept 2010 and and He's a longtime activist against chemtrail spraying. He says that the massive injection of toxic substances into the stratosphere ever since the the nineties, the, the late nineties, bears a, dis, a, a direct relation to the protection of highly sensitive semiconductor technologies. And this is a quote from him, and this is what he says: Natural electromagnetic pulses are known to everybody ever since the film The Day After, where we learned what happens if these are created artificially by means of the explosion of an atom bomb. If an atomic weapon explodes, the electromagnetic pulse causes semiconductor technologies to stop functioning. The same electromagnetic pulses can be registered in the event of elevated sephiric frequencies or nuclear electromagnetic pulses stemming from elevated sun activities and from our perspective this is another reason why it is undertaken to repel these sephoric frequencies with the help of toxic substances like aluminum oxides and barium chlorides so as to protect semiconductor technologies. So according to this guy the government or someone has been Not only trying to reflect heat and light back out into outer space, but maybe they're trying to invent, or maybe they have invented, maybe they're keeping some uh, sort of net over our important areas to try to prevent these semiconductors from being wiped out by an EMP. Or maybe... They're trying to create some sort of a net to protect our semiconductors under the disguise of we're trying to reflect heat and light back out into the atmosphere, out into space. Who knows? What is apparent is that there's something going on. It's not a made-up phenomenon. Maybe the government is... uh, You know, hiding behind all of these conspiracies and everything's out in open sight. You know, the government has been known to do that in the past. So, you know, we're vulnerable to radiation. I mean, that's very obvious. Since the 1950s, when silicon and germanium transistors were suddenly discovered by Bell Laboratories, electronic circuitry has become, well, it's become totally dependent upon these semiconductors. Radios that had vacuum tubes were replaced by transistor circuits, and expensive room-size computers, which used these magnetic relays and solenoids, were pretty damn quickly, quickly and rapidly reduced to desktop-type appliances that are now found in almost every home. Hell, they're not desktop anymore; they're laptop. And tablets and the size of your people wearing them on the wrist, their watches, their, their phones. And as we find ourselves smack dab in the middle of the second decade of this twenty-first century that we're in, we see micro circuits in our not only just our cell phones, like I just said, but they're in satellites, these fly by wire cars, the, you know, the, the cars that have their own Wi-Fi built into them. And almost all of the communications devices used by the financial, business, and military institutions. In the just over 50 years or so since their discovery or introduction to the world, semiconductors have become really the, one of the most vital parts of our life. And really they're a necessity for our survival. But, there's a problem that no one anticipated. Because the circuits are so incredibly small in function of such extremely low voltages, they are highly vulnerable to outside radiation. Radiation rays from the sun, the atmosphere, and even cosmic rays can and do cause errors in these circuits that have an impact on the lives and safety of everyone so there are three little sins here when it comes to semiconductors one of the problems related to semiconductor technology and as derived from some of its specific characteristics, is that upon exposure to various types of particles of atmospheric radiation, like alpha particles, uh, various different kinds of ions, protons, and neutrons, which can hit the device, it can change its state or alter its output, leading to an error. This phenomenon is widely known by... The manufacturers of semiconductors and these microconductors, and it's been called a single event effect or S E E C for short, which in turn is classified in three basic categories or three little sins, like I just said. There's a soft error or single event upset, which is abbreviated SEU, a soft or hard error single event latch up or SE. E L. And then finally there's a hard failure or single event burnout, SEB. So I'm going to take these three and briefly look at them a little bit more closely. okay? So let's start off with the SEU, the single event upset. This happens when a flow of data, the ones and O's in the binary code, is corrupted uh maybe when reading the binary code from a memory process or processor an extra bit is added or lost or something like that now this is a fairly regular occurrence and is usually corrected within the device by a special code that counts the number of bits and checks to make sure the same number was received and orders them to be repeated if there's a discrepancy so little Blip that's never noticed, basically, is what happens. Then you have the single event latch or the single event latch up, the SEL. This is a little bit more serious. The external radiation causes one of the transistors to malfunction, and this allows high voltage to enter the circuit and disables the device either temporarily or permanently. The damage is usually localized. There's my creepy clock. The damage is usually localized and in, in many critical circuits have built-in redundancies to compensate for something like this. So, you know, this, the first one, the SEU is not going to affect you. You're not even going to know it. The SEL is a little bit more serious and it may or may not screw up your device and you may or may not know that this is happening. And then you come down to the single event burnout or the SEB. Now this is obviously the most serious. What happens here in the single event burnout is when the radiation causes instantaneous and large voltages to enter the circuit, burning the internal elements of the transistors and their surrounding components. Now, when this happens, the electronic circuits are permanently disabled and you get a failure of your device. This is the one where you're going to have to wind up getting a new device because it's probably not going to be able to be repaired. All of the problems that I just mentioned here happen to semiconductor circuits when exposed to radiation. Manufacturers of commercial semiconductors don't design any protection against this And so our society, our way of life as it is, is highly vulnerable because of this. The protection from such things as solar radiation and cosmic rays has instead been to establish a conductive layer of metallic particles which cover and dissipate this radiation sprayed in our atmosphere by chemtrail planes. That is a theory, anyway, and we're talking theories here, right? So, in an atmospheric radiations effect white paper by a man named Ken Varnish, uh, the let's see, this paper was called uh, "The Growing Impact of Atmospheric Radiation Effects on Semiconductor Devices and the Associated Impact on Avionic Suppliers." Whew. The problem here. this guy just puts it in perspective. The design and manufacturing of complex devices usually allow for flaws and malfunctions that are tracked statistically a failure or malfunction that happens once in 40,000 hours of use could be thought of as basically negligible. But if the malfunction is in a life-critical system, such as the navigation or engine control of a jet airplane, say a passenger aircraft 747 or something like that, well, then the results of this could be quite deadly. So, next, complex designs usually take about a decade to reach production. The circuitry in use today was designed before the problem of radiation was well understood so there's virtually no protection in individual circuits this shifts the burden to a global solution especially with regards to aviation electronics such as atmospheric seeding with metallic substances all of these things that i just talked about there is a, this is especially true for military applications of semiconductors Operations Enduring Freedom and Iraqi Freedom demonstrated the potential of non-conventional warfare, or NCW, allowing unprotected speed and lethality through digital command, control, communications, and computers, collectively known as C-4. This is integrated throughout the battle space. The ability of microchip-enabled systems to leverage combat power, Was eye opening, and in the future of these things, it will be paramount. Data links, displays, satellite communications, computerized planning systems, GPS receivers, radio, smart munitions used by the military, vehicles, aircraft, and all other systems required to support the network force will derive their power and potentially their doom from fragile electronic systems. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that the public will probably feel disrespected and, may I even say, uh, probably a little bit pissed off when they learn that this fact has been hidden from them all these years. But maybe they'll also take note of the many unusual airline tragedies That appear to be the result of some sudden electronic failure. Maybe they'll understand why automobile manufacturers like Toyota haven't been upfront about the vulnerabilities of today's fly-by-wire automotive controls that should have some sort of a Faraday shield at the very least, right? With the solar maximum approaching us, we can expect more and more failures of semiconductors resulting in all sorts of malfunctions and potential burnouts. One strong coronal mass ejection is all that it would take to trigger some sort of a dire scenario, and poof, we're back to the stone ages. So... I used to think that chemtrails were some sort of government population control or government um, inoculation programs. Um, But the more that I have researched and studied chemtrails, the more and more convinced I am that population control and secret governmental inoculation programs probably aren't what's going on here. Um, I really do think that there's some sort of attempt going on to reflect heat and radiation back into space from our sun in an effort to quell the global warming. I, I don't think that the government or whoever is doing this is stupid enough to to think that they're going to reverse the effects of global warming. Uh, It's just not going to happen. I think they're trying to prevent it from becoming as bad as what it could be, or maybe slow its progress down or something. Now, I have gone on record in the past speaking of global warming and. I have said that I did not believe in the global warming theory. Um, The earth has patterns and it heats and cools. I mean, we've gone through ice ages and we've, we've had times where the earth has been a veritable jungle, you know? Um, So the earth goes through phases of being more hot than, than, probably what is normal and being more cold than what is probably normal i think that we're on the the uh verge of going into one of those hot phases however um the pollution and the things that we're doing and putting into our our atmosphere and the damage that we're causing i think it's helping to speed this process up but it's not causing it I I really don't think that it's causing it. It it's we're helping it along, but we're not the cause of global warming. We're just an added uh you know, helper thrown in the mix there. And I think that you know, I hesitate to use the word government, but I you know who would who else would be behind it, right? Um who else is big enough to pull this off? Well, good God, there are so many private organizations out there, private companies that can can easily do this. Look at Halliburton for for God's sakes. There is a um documentary. It's called What in the World Are They Spraying? And um I'm gonna have that up on my website eventually. Um but it it is uh of course, you know, a documentary about chemtrails and what they are and, and who's doing it and what the effects of it are. Um, and they they talk about the aluminum particles and everything and, and all of the health problems, good God, you know, that that is being caused by inhaling this aluminum oxide, which I'll get into here in just a second. But uh, one of the, the theories that they talk about behind the chemtrails is that... Um, the government started out doing the chemtrails and then eventually turned it over to private companies, you know, uh, farmed it out or contracted it out, for lack of a better word, and are letting these private companies do this. And now it's been so long since the private companies have been doing it that the government really has no control over these things anymore. They don't really know... uh, who, what, where, when, and why anymore? So it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting theory. Um, is it private companies or is it the government? I don't know. You know, I, I always say you know the government because you know it's always so easy to blame stuff on the government. But whoever is doing this chemtrail spraying has been doing it for a long time. They're doing it in broad daylight, and it is—it's there. I mean, you can't. You can't look up in the sky and say, oh, this isn't happening, because the evidence is right there in front of you. You know, partly cloudy days used to be, you know, clear blue skies with an occasional fluffy white cloud, and now a freaking partly cloudy day is uh, clear blue skies with a shit ton of chemtrails being sprayed through it. That's when you see them a lot, is mostly on clear, cloudless, sunny days. And... One of the things that, that the, the naysayers of chemtrails will say, well, well, my God, it's just it's airplanes in their normal flight pattern coming and going, and you see the, the trails out behind them. But what you got to stop and think about is the ones that are doing the true chemtrails, uh, excuse me, the true contrails, they are higher in the sky, above 30,000 feet, and those contrails usually dissipate pretty quickly. And they're always flying in a regular window of flight path. The chemtrails, they're going to be lower than 30,000 feet, usually 22,000 feet and lower, somewhere around the 20 to 22,000 feet uh, area there. And they're not going to be flying in your typical flight patterns. They're going to be flying in different wind flight windows. And, of course, the chemtrails don't just disappear rapidly like the contrails do. They kind of spread out and linger in the air for hours. Um, I just so happen... I live in a, a fairly large metropolitan area, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm not too far as the crow flies, as we say here in the South, I'm not too far from the, uh, Nashville international airport. Um, it's several miles down the interstate from my house. However, my neighborhood just so happens right where my house is, is a approach and departure pattern for the Nashville International Airport for um, mainly Southwest Airlines. Um, And I see them coming and going all the time. Um, And I know what the flight windows are. And I know what the flight paths are. And when I see chemtrails being sprayed over my house, um, they're not in those flight paths. They're usually flying in, in different directions usually in a north south direction instead of the east west direction that the southwest airlines comes and goes now i know you're you're saying the obvious thing is well probably what you're seeing is not southwest airlines um yeah it's not just mainly um that okay um other airlines do happen to fly close by but the the pattern that comes over where i'm at is southwest and what i'm seeing i'm East of the airport, the airport is west of me, and what I'm seeing is stuff usually flying kind of more in a north-south direction or northeast or southwest direction. Um, It's not a typical flight pattern. That's not it. So, I mean, I I I see these things every day, Uh, not chemtrails every day. I see airplanes coming and going. Every day, Chemtrails I see several times a week, sometimes every day, sometimes every other day, sometimes you don't see them for a few days, uh, but they are around several days a week, and I see them all of the time. Now, one of the things that I said that I was going to uh, talk about was the, um, oh, that's just my printer, sorry I hit a button and didn't mean to do that, that's what that noise was, um, I said I was going to talk about the, the, the health issues that's, happening because of chemtrail spraying. Um, there's aluminum oxide being sprayed in the air, and when you breathe in aluminum oxide, obviously it's not good for you. It can cause all kind of respiratory issues. And um, I see, I, I work in the medical profession, and I see um, every day, I see so many children come into where I work who have respiratory type issues. And it's just, I've been doing medicine for a long time and it's just, it's increasing every year. More and more children have asthma or some sort of other respiratory issues. There's so many people who are coming in with seasonal allergies or something wrong with their respiratory tract. Now, Just a a little caveat to that, just so happens that the Middle Tennessee area where I live is there's a high pollen and ragweed count. So if you have allergies or if you've never had allergies, you probably will if you live here. So, you know, I do have to take that into account. But allergies and asthma are two different things. And I keep seeing all of these children come in who have respiratory issues and the numbers just keep rising and rising and even adults who have never had uh, asthma type issues or lung type issues um, the problems are popping up Um, oh do you hear that that's a southwest airline flying over the studio did you hear that i bet you could Boy, talk about um, kind of creepy. I say Southwest Airline. I don't know what that was, but that was a, that was an airliner flying over the Parareality Radio studio. So um, I don't know. Was the government spying on me? Who knows? That was kind of creepy. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's an increase of respiratory type stuff going on. And it just keeps increasing. the 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 amount is keeps going up and up and up. And you know, there's maybe in the future there's going to be some link between the chemtrails and the aluminum oxide that's being sprayed in our atmosphere. There could be a link to between that and all kind of mental health issues as well. I'm specifically talking about ADD, ADHD. And Alzheimer's disease. We're also seeing an increase in these types of problems in people. Um, ADD um, and ADHD, especially in, you know in children, uh, they don't normally manifest themselves in adulthood. But who are, who who's outside the most? You know, children, or at least they're, they should be. You know, they're playing outside and stuff. But who's more vulnerable to stuff? Whose immune system hasn't developed and matured completely yet? Children, right? So we're seeing an increase in ADD and ADHD type disorders in children. And if you don't know what ADD or ADHD is, ADD is attention deficit disorder and ADHD is attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, more, more and more kids are being diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and we're also seeing a rise on in the increase of autism. And if you listen to Jenny McCarthy, she's like, Oh, it's vaccinations. That's a bunch of bullshit. It has nothing to do with vaccinations. I don't know what's going on, but could it be related Back to chemtrails and the aluminum oxide that's being sprayed into our atmosphere. Well, yes, it could be. You know, you got to look at possibilities and probabilities here. Is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? Mm. I don't know. My jury's still out on that. Uh, in adults, we are seeing an, uh, a lot more people get diagnosed with dementia and Alzheimer's disease than what we used to in the past. Why is that? I don't know. Could it be related to these chemtrails and the aluminum oxide that we're inhaling in every effing day that we're outside? Yeah, of course, it very well possibly could be. I think you should do a research project and look up aluminum oxide and its effects on the central nervous system, the brain, and the respiratory system, and you make up your own mind as to whether or not you think that I'm full of bullshit or making this up, or if I could be on to something here. I think that I'm on to something. Now, I will warn you, okay, when you do your little research project, you do your homework here that, that I asked you to do, just be careful when you're using the interwebs, because I know you're going to use the internet. You're going to do you know, the Google search thing, just be careful when you're using Dr. Google. Okay. Anybody can have anything on the internet. Um, you know, people would say my website's bullshit bunk and you know, they're entitled to to their opinion. Um, but you just have to be careful where you go and what you, you, you read, uh, when you're looking up stuff like that. Cause there are obviously there are going to be people who are pro chemtrails and, you know, they may have, all kind of stuff on there about how it's bad. And they're going to say, Oh, it causes this, 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 and this. And they're going to be the people who are, and you know, or are, are debunkers. And they're going to say chemtrails are, you know, they don't cause anything because they're not real and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I've always said I'm an open-minded skeptic. And just because I believe chemtrails are real, doesn't mean that I believe everything about them. However, I will be the first to say, if something comes out today or tomorrow that says, hey, chemtrails are fake, we've got it proven right here scientifically, I'll be the first to say, you know what, I was wrong. I don't particularly jump on conspiracy theory bandwagons. Um, However, I think there's something to this, and I really want to... um, help spread the word about the dangers of chemtrails and aluminum oxide that's being sprayed in our atmosphere. So do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Hell, do some research on aluminum oxide and find out what kind of problems a steady diet of this shit can do to your brain and central nervous system and your respiratory system. Find out what it can do to children you know um gosh this this stuff can, can cause headaches migraines and you know visual disturbances i mean there's all kind of, of course you know nausea and vomiting you know there's there's all kind of stuff that this that this can cause um and i'm not just blowing smoke i'm not just making this up it's it's real stuff it's actually Aluminum oxide is bad for you, especially a steady diet of it. And who knows what the hell else is uh, in these chemtrails anyway. They may be finding some stuff that's working better than aluminum oxide. I mean, they've been spraying them since at least 1997, probably a little bit earlier than that. But you know how technology is always, you know, improving day by day, it seems if you've got some sort of device, electronic device, that's older than six months, then, you know, it's freaking ancient, because every couple of months, it seems like they're coming out with something new, um, hell, two years ago, I upgraded to the, uh, Samsung, I'm a huge Samsung fan, but two, two years ago, I upgraded to the, uh, Samsung Galaxy S4, hell, It hadn't even been two years ago. It's been a year and a half ago. Now they're coming out with a damn Galaxy 6. You know, so they're coming out with new technology upgrades and updates all the time. And a lot of it's money-making deal by the company. But anyway, I digress a little bit on that there. I'm kind of rambling at this point, aren't I? Because I'm getting on my soapbox. So getting back to the chemtrails you know what what can we do to um protect ourselves from them how can we as a society how can we make sure that we don't have the negative effects of these things how, you know what, what 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 can we do most people would say well there's nothing that we can do you know unless you just walk around wearing some sort of breathing apparatus all the time something like scba or or some shit like that, you know, or, or a mask or something. You know, have it wear a, a N95 respirator mask or something. Well, well, that's not necessarily true. There are things that we can do, and I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But Before I do that, um, if you remember, I guess it was was it last year when I did a show on uh, on. I had some sort of show on chemtrails or something or other. And, um, anyway, I had this guy call in who referred to himself as citizen X and he left a message on the, uh, studio line and, um, sent me a, a up email. And he was all talking about, he was, seemed to be big on agenda. Uh, what was agenda 21, which is a UN agenda supposedly about, uh, population control. um, so I, you know, I haven't heard from this guy in probably a year now, but uh, and I played this message back on that show, but I'm going to play it over again for you right now before we uh, head out on the break. So uh, I'm going to play this. This is uh, the voicemail or the, that was left on the studio line by Citizen X concerning chemtrails and what I have been doing with my research. So here, here's that right now. Hello
1: Sandman, you may call me Citizen X, I've listened to what you have to say about chemtrails, and I want you to know that you're on the right track, but you must look deeper. Chemtrails are responsible for environmental damage occurring to our planet through aerial distribution of toxic metals into the atmosphere. These are not persistent contrails. Agenda 21 is being enacted. Keep paying attention to
0: the skies. Expose the truth. I will be in touch with you again. So that was Citizen X from about a year ago with his uh, message to me on the studio line and his thoughts on chemtrails. And he did say, uh, you know, chemicals were being, you know, or metals were being. Sprayed into our atmosphere, which is true. He did tell me that I need to look into the subject deeper, which I I actually did take his advice, and I have done. And like I said, I've changed my mind about what chemtrails actually are. I don't I don't think I'm I'm, I'm not in his line of thinking about Agenda 21. I've never been in an Agenda 21 thing. Although I did think that chemtrails did maybe have something to do with population control. Uh, Oh, creepy clock again. Always happens every show. And I also thought that they were maybe uh, doing some sort of secret government um, inoculation against something. Um, I I just don't believe that anymore, however. So, um, you know, Citizen X, if you're still listening to the show, I wish you would get in contact with me. And I tried to find the email that this dude sent me, but I lost it somewhere. I thought I had it saved. Damn it, I was going to read it again. Because it's so relevant to, to this show here, but I, I lost it, so damn me for being inefficient on that. So anyway, uh, Mr. Citizen X, if you happen to be still listening to the show, I haven't heard from you in such a long time, and uh, I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on chemtrails, especially after listening to this um, episode here on Pure Reality Radio. Oh, man, it is approaching the top of the hour. So I think what I'm going to do right now is uh, take a break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about, I did a little teaser a minute ago, I'm going to talk about what we, as uh, concerned citizens, can do to protect ourselves against chemtrails. How can we um, make sure that we're not breathing in this, this aluminum oxide and this, these other toxins and these metals that are being sprayed into our atmosphere. You know, We don't have to wear N95 respirator masks or SCBAs at all times. This is a good idea, probably, but we can do stuff without having to do that. So when I come back, we're going to talk about, or I'm going to talk about, what we can do to protect ourselves against chemtrails. Hello, everybody. This is Sandman. I want to thank you for listening to Parareality Radio, and I'd like to invite you to check out my side project. It's called Set It Off. It's a half-hour-long show where I vent my frustrations about anything from politics, religion, pop culture, and celebrities to rude people, stupid people, or that guy who drives too slow in the fast lane. It can be just about anything that, well... Sets me off. It can only be heard on Spreaker and on Facebook. Just go to Spreaker.com and search for "Set It Off," or listen to it on my Facebook page, which is Sandman dot There's no set schedule for the show because it's completely random. So check for new episodes often. Remember, it's called "Set It Off," and you never know what I'm going to say next. Okay, so that was Fallout by Alter Bridge off of their uh, 2010 CD-A-B-3, which I thought was a pretty appropriate song for what I've been talking about here. And we're talking about chemtrails, and there's Fallout from chemtrails, so hey, let's play a song called Fallout. Anyway, you know how I try to keep with the theme of the show, right? At least in the song title. Maybe maybe, maybe not in what the, the song's talking about, but in song title, in spirit, right? So, before the break, I said that when I came back, I was going to tell you all how you can protect yourself from these deadly chemtrails that are spraying aluminum oxide into our atmosphere. Of course, without having to wear an N95 respirator mask or an SCBA device or something of that nature. Well, you can, there are ways that you can protect yourself. You can do it for, well, it depends on how how cheap you want to go, but you can do it relatively inexpensively. You can protect your home and your loved ones from the deadly effects of these chemtrails. Now, this is going to sound like some sort of infomercial, but it's it's really not. I want to, uh, before I uh, say Anything here before I go any further, I want to make it perfectly clear that I have no affiliation with this product that I'm about to talk about. It's manufacturer. I'm not getting compensated to talk about this. I actually do not own one of these things myself. Not yet. Anyway, Um, I have no affiliation with the company that manufactures this It's owners or any subsidiary, and I'm not being compensated in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm just going to tell you about this because this is something that I discovered not too long ago, and I really want to get one for myself. Now, I've investigated this a lot, and... I decided that I was going to uh, talk about it on the show, even though I don't have one. I think that I've investigated this enough that its I'm convinced that I'm going to buy one. And when I do, I'm going to report back to you how well it is doing, whether it's worth it or not. Uh, what I'm talking about here is a Croft Cloudbuster. This thing was invented by this dude named Don Croft. And you can get these things for as little as three hundred dollars, or you can pay. I've seen them advertised for seven or eight hundred dollars. Um, this thing is what it does. If it does exactly what it says that it that it can do, it is a miracle. It um, is like probably the best thing the, the one of the best, you know, $300 that you'll spend in your lifetime. If, especially if you want to protect yourself against these chemtrails. Okay. So what is a Croft Cloudbuster? A Cloudbuster is a device that destroys the aerosols. that are being sprayed into our atmosphere planet wide via these chemtrail planes. Cloudbusters have little or no direct effect on natural clouds. What they do is they replace the dead organ in the atmosphere with positive organ, making it possible for natural clouds to form and thereby making it difficult for chemtrail aerosols to remain. The cloudbuster balances the organ at high altitudes. Chemtrails are converted back into natural compounds that belong in the sky, things like. Oxygen, nitrogen, carbon dioxide, etc., and so forth, in the presence of organ, that is. The, the appearance of sylphs is a positive confirmation that your Cloudbuster is doing its job. Now, what is a sylph and what is organ? All right. Well, okay. Organ, this is a universal life force energy this was originally proposed by a dude named willem reich all the way back in the 1930s Uh, it was later on after reich died it was developed by one of his students named charles kelly um it's organ is an it's an anti-entropic principle of the universe it's a creative substratum in all of nature um, It's a massless, omnipresent substance. It's associated with living energy, not inert matter, but living energy. It's supposed to be able to coalesce to create organization on all scales, from the smallest microscopic units to macroscopic structures like organisms, clouds, or even galaxies. I don't know that I would go that far, but that's one of the theories there. It's um, a theory that has been out there for many, many years, since the 30s, since it was invented. Now, a lot of people don't believe in it, um, but I'm telling you, this Croft Cloudbuster, I've seen all kinds of videos as to what it can do, and i uh, read all kinds of stuff on the internet about these Cloudbusters, and these things apparently, uh, will protect you from the chemtrails. Now, what, what is a sylph? Because I said that a sylph is a, is a confirmation that you're, that the cloudbuster is doing its Stop. If you've ever looked up into the sky and you have seen a chemtrail that had these finger-like projections coming off of it all up and down each side of the chemtrail. these little curved finger-like projections. Those are sylphs, ladies and gentlemen. A sylph is a mythical being from, um, um, well, from mythology. Um, it's a, it's an air being. Um, and the, that's why they call these things sylph because it's, you know, it's, it's a sign. This is, it's, a, it's an air elemental thing that's fighting off the chemtrails. And if you've ever looked up and you've ever seen a sylph, um, which I will have a picture. Uh, I'm in the process of redoing my website, and I'm going to have a whole page devoted to the chemtrail theory, the chemtrail phenomenon, the chemtrail conspiracy. Um, I'm going to have a picture of a sylph up on the website whenever I get it converted so you can look and see for yourself what a sylph is. But if you, if, if you can, if you've ever looked up in the sky, if you know what one is, or if you, or if you don't know and you look up and you see a, a chemtrail with these curved finger-like projections off of the top and the bottom of it, all up and down it, that is a sylph and it is converting supposedly the chemtrail back into a natural, Substance like nitrogen, oxygen, carbon dioxide, so forth, and you know we're a nitrogen-based atmosphere—80% nitrogen, 20% oxygen. You know, it's not exact, but those are the roundabout figures. So these these cloudbusters—that it sounds like magic, right? Well, I agree. It does. It does sound like magic. Um, the best explanation I have is the being able to look at the test, read the testimony and look at the videos online of these things in work you know doing their their job um as far as the organ energy goes there's some sort of extra dimensional aspects to this organ energy that makes it difficult to understand and difficult to describe i admit that i don't completely understand it myself but i do know that organ is not electromagnetic frequency um it's, um, I don't know, you know, for lack of a better word, what, 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 what's causing this to, to work? Well, it's got to be the organ. Now, if you're wondering about, you know, safety, legality, stuff like that, um, these things are legal everywhere on earth. There's no, um, bad substances in them. That's going to cause harm to anybody Children, people, plants, pets, and everybody, you know, they're, they're safe around them. They supposedly have a calming effect for those who are around them. Uh, they look kind of funky, um, but it is a definite uh, head-turner. It's a yard ornament for sure. Uh, I've even uh, read stories about people whose, whose gardens have... Um, Um, really popped up to life. People having trouble growing gardens and they get across cloud buster and it's by their, by their garden and, and bam, you know, all of a sudden they're growing shit like crazy. Um, Like I said, they're, they're definitely not something that you want to keep inside your house. It's an outside ornament. Um, And um, it is kind of a beastly looking thing, but it works you can supposedly take your cloud buster and point it at a weather front and attract the weather to your area whether it's good or bad if you need some rain for your garden supposedly you can track some rain in theory okay Uh, it's um not really i don't think designed for that um but um, supposedly it can attract weather. This main job, of course, is to bust up the chemtrails, especially over your um, house. <laughs> um, so, what what wh- what does it do? Well, like I said, it, it it works by this organ and it shoots this stuff up into the air, and it destroys the bad stuff. Um, it's, um, I wish I could describe it to you. It's, it's like in a five gallon bucket and it's got copper pipes sticking out of it. If you want to know what, what they look like, just type in, uh, Croft cloud busters, uh, into your favorite search engine or Croft Chemtrail trail busters into your favorite search engine. And you can, uh, See them for yourself. Like I said, they range anywhere from I've seen them from three hundred dollars all the way up to seven eight hundred dollars in some areas. So they're they're not the most expensive thing you're ever gonna buy, but they're not the cheapest thing on the face of the planet either. Now I wish I could say that I have a damn Croft Cloudbuster, and that it works, and I could tell you all the great and wonderful things that this thing does. However, as I have already stated, I do not own one. Um, I want to get one really, really badly because of the location that I'm in. I see a lot of chemtrails over my neighborhood. Now, I I'm obviously concerned about my health and well-being and not necessarily the health and well-being of my whole entire neighborhood. Although I do have some concern for them, but I can't buy a damn Croft Cloudbuster for everybody in the neighborhood and strategic or, you know, buy enough to strategically place them everywhere. Um, but if I can prevent chemtrails from being formed over my home, there maybe just maybe, I can have a wide enough effect that I can prevent it from, you know, harming at least my neighbors around me. Um, I live in a suburb of Nashville, and the area that i'm in the neighborhood is comparatively to to i guess most neighborhoods in the nashville area is kind of kind of a small uh, neighborhood but there are a lot of people that live around here um they just finished construction as a matter of fact on this neighborhood uh, a couple of years ago they've been building houses like crazy around here um So I don't think that one Croft Cloudbuster is going to um, successfully uh, protect and guard my whole neighborhood. But I think I could at least get it to where, um, if I strategically place it in the right spot of my yard, I think it would at least take care of myself and uh, maybe a couple of neighbors. Who knows? I have no earthly idea. But I'm going to get one. And I'm going to report on how this thing works. Just keep checking back on the show. Check the website. Like I said, I'm in the process of of, um, doing some things to kind of revamp my website a little bit. And I want to uh, have a whole section of the website that's devoted entirely to the chemtrail conspiracy theory and I want to have all kinds of information about chemtrails, uh, of course links to the the shows that I've done on chemtrails, and I also would love to have some, um, not, well, not just pictures of, of, of course I'm going to have pictures of chemtrails. You can't have a, a, a website about chemtrails without having pictures of them, right? But uh, I hope to have in the very near future some info about the Cloudbusters and their effectiveness and maybe have a, picture of mine in my yard and you know me standing by it all smiley and thumbs up and shit. I don't (laughs) I don't know. Who knows? But just give me some time to get this all worked out on the website. Keep checking back. Uh, and if you want to know information about the Cloud Busters, just type in on your favorite search engine, Croft C-R O F T, Croft Cloud Buster or Croft Chemtrail Buster. I I believe the official name is Croft Cloudbusters. And Once again, just to make it perfectly clear, I do not own one of these devices. I am not being compensated in any shape, form, or fashion by the manufacturer of this device. I do not know the manufacturer of this device, nor do I have any affiliation with the company or any of its employees or its subsidiaries. I have no connections with a Cloudbuster or anything to do with it whatsoever. I'm just reporting to you what I have learned by doing my own homework and my own research on the cloud buster. So that's how you can protect yourself and your family by a, excuse me, by a Croft cloud buster for $300 off the internet. As far as I know, there's no expiration date on these things. You buy it and it lasts for forever until it gets destroyed or disintegrates or whatever. There's there's no expiration date on these things. So it's just a one-shot deal. It's a one-time thing. Now, if you want to buy more, you're certainly welcome to buy more. Hell, maybe you have a vacation home somewhere and uh, you want to protect your... Vacation home too. We to buy a second one, um, and there's all kind of other stuff that they sell along with these cloud busters. Um, but um, the cloud buster is what I am um, mainly. So I'm going to take a in. small break here, talk, obviously, what and I'm going to come back. With today, five ways so, on how you can stop the NSA how you protect yourself from, snooping from snooping on cloud, you by f- using your own you don't cell phone 95 respirator against mask against you, and then I'll wind this show down with my new segment SCBA called and Go out, speaks. of the uh, of the house. Now, I mean, if you wanted to look like Michael Jackson, I guess you could buy an a, a, a N95 respirator mask. Over here, but you look stupid. I mean, he just wore a surgical. Mask.
2: Okay, I am got this. Days undercover, all out of sync. Haven't paid the rent, even talking in my sleep. My monkey's and MO is all out of commission for my condition Cause I'm all out of tune
0: to Parareality Radio, your home for all things paranormal, strange, and unexplained. New episodes broadcast the first Friday of every month. Turn on, tune in, and find out.
2: If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over the
0: So I know I've played probably uh, unusual high amount of music on this show versus uh, most of what I normally do. Because normally I have two songs, maybe three, and I've had a little bit more than that this time. Just trying to fill in some content with some cool stuff here. Um, Anyway, just since we've been talking about possible government theories and stuff, I found this little thing. Um, about how the government, the NSA, can use your cell phone to spy on you without your knowledge or consent. Like you know, like they would, like they would do something like that, right? Who? Why would they do something like that? The government would never do anything like that. Yeah, right. It, by the way, if you haven't seen that Citizen Four movie, uh, uh, documentary about Edward Snowden, you need to watch it. It's kind of, uh, it's it's a little dull, but it's very eye-opening. I, I, I recommend it, especially if you're a government conspiracy theorist or a conspiracy theorist of any kind. I recommend that you watch Citizen Four if you haven't seen it. Um, <clears throat> so between that and that article that I found about the NSA snooping on, on you by using your cell phone, I thought that I would uh, tell you five ways that you can stop The NSA from spying on you by using your own cell phone so the first thing to know about securing your phone is that you can't secure your phone if the national security agency or NSA if if that agency wants to get into your phone they're going to get into your phone period nothing you can do about it spying on the content of cell phone communications is actually pretty damn easy with that being said, the last year has seen a just an overwhelming desire to make spying more difficult. Since former NSA contractor Edward Snowden revealed that the government was collecting data on Americans' phone records and Internet activity, average people are now asking the question, how can I keep the NSA from snooping on my phone? Well, the market has responded to this. Major tech companies like Apple and Google promoted their new phones by highlighting the encryption methods that they claim will lock out the government. A slew of apps to encrypt text messages and voice calls have popped up here lately, and previously obscure Internet encryption methods are being adopted by people like me who are basically non-technophiles and though hacking seems or hacking teams at the the NSA and the FBI will almost always win out when sufficiently motivated the rise of widespread encryption has worried law enforcement officials believe it or not FBI director James Comey calls it the going dark problem it's set up a standoff with law enforcement on one side privacy advocates, and major tech companies on the other. So if you're looking to go dark, here are a few easy steps that you can take to avoid government snooping. Number one, get an encrypted phone. Back in September, Apple and Google claimed their new phones could lock down all pictures, contacts, and messages, keeping them off limits to anyone and including government officials with a warrant. The encryption behind this claim is solid enough that the Justice Department met with Apple, believe it or not. According to the Wall Street Journal, the second ranking DOJ official even told Apple officials children would die as a result of the police's inability to search a suspect's iPhone. I think I was taking it just a little bit too far there. Even well-encrypted phones with strong passwords are made fallible through cloud backups. For many users, Apple phones automatically back up data to the cloud. Google's Android phones have similar features. Much of the data that law enforcement can't get from the device, they can still get from the cloud. But it's possible to disable the cloud backup, but that comes with a warning here. With no backup, a lost phone or a forgotten password means that the phone basically self-destructs. It's dead to you. It's not going to help you anymore. Number two, you need to secure your text messages. WhatsApp, the world's most popular messaging service with over 600 million users, recently introduced end-to-end encryption, meaning that only the sender and receiver can read a message. The company behind the encryption software is called uh, Whisper Systems, and it's called WhatsApp the largest deployment of end to end encrypted communication in history. Whisper Systems has its own secure messaging app called TechSecure. It's the free app privacy advocates and technologists most often recommend. The initial technology underlying TechSecure was subsidized by the US government. Go figure. As a taxpayer, you might as well get some value for your money, right? I mean, come on. For now, Android users are better positioned to secure their messages than the Apple users. WhatsApp doesn't yet have end-to-end encryption for iPhone users, and TechSecure is Android only. Yay, Android. It won't last long, though, in my opinion. It's a matter of months before iPhone users can use these apps. Number three, secure your phone calls. Both Android and Google boast highly recommended apps to make encrypted phone calls. Privacy advocates favor whisper systems. Um, um, And there's this app called, they have this app called Red Phone for Android users and Signal for iPhone users that whisper systems have. Unfortunately, the two apps aren't yet interoperable. Red Phone users... In other words, can only call other Red Phone users, and Signal can only call other Signal users. So if you're willing to spring for a paid app, Silent Circle offers encrypted calling plans that would allow you to encrypt your, your end of a call to anyone around the world, whether they're a member of the Silent Circle or not. For member-to-member calls, the apps from Whisper and Silent Circle all got perfect scores on the secure messaging scorecard. Now, that's pretty damn good. Pretty damn high scores. Number four, you need to secure your internet browsing. Public Wi-Fi networks and normal web browsers leave mobile devices vulnerable. I mean, everybody knows that, right? These are often the kinds of hotspots that are compromised by a potential attacker. For roaming Wi-Fi connections, I recommend a virtual public network or VPN. You've probably heard that and you don't know what it means. It's a virtual public network. This gives users internet access while bypassing local Wi-Fi hotspots. A VPN takes all of your communications and basically tunnels it via an encrypted tunnel to wherever the VPN is being run from. Any outside eavesdroppers, for lack of a better word, only see the tunnel and not the contents of your communications. However, using a VPN won't erase the link between your internet browsing record and your phone's IP address, which, if you don't know what the IP address is, that's the number that's assigned to the device while connected to a computer network. Tor, T-O-R, Tor, an online anonymity software is designed to eliminate that very link. Tor's mobile version, Orbot, allows you to Browse a website on your phone without giving away your IP address. It decouples your identity from your IP address. Pretty damn clever. It's the best thing out there to enable anonymous internet browsing, but it's not entirely perfect. Tor won't give you magical protection and anonymity on the internet, and Tor works much better through a single Wi-Fi network than it does for mobile users in, in transit. In other words, you're driving down the road. You need to be stationary if you're going to use Tor. Um, Tor functions by routing your internet traffic through three servers to anonymize online movements. So if you're moving with your phone, like walking, driving, you know, taking public transportation or something like that, Tor is constantly having to find three new servers through a different network. Every 30 seconds, your internet connection is interrupted, and that can make Tor a little bit more difficult to use. So you need to make sure that you're stationary when you're using Tor. And finally, number five, understand this. You're never, ever going to go completely dark. Despite security experts' best efforts at encryption, the government still has nearly unfettered access to location data and metadata, the to and from and, and time step of any communication. Your phone is basically a tracking device, okay? There's actually nothing you can do about that at all. For cell phones to function, they regularly ping cell towers. And if you watched any kind of true crime show, you know that cell phones ping towers and they triangulate where people were last by you know seeing what cell phone towers their, their, their phones pinged off of and all that sorts of stuff. So that cell tower has a pretty good idea of where you're at. And even the top encryption methods still expose some metadata, especially with voice calls it's really difficult to hide metadata. The technologies that computer security people know how to build to protect metadata by the very nature add delays that are intolerable in voice calls. Combining location and metadata reveals a huge amount of information about what you're doing. So don't expect that that's gonna change anytime soon. It'd take a huge jump in technology to create security software that hides this metadata and we don't know how to build a cell phone that doesn't reveal its location, and that ladies and gentlemen, might never happen so those are those are five ways that you can protect yourself from the n s a from spying on you by using your own cell phone. Ow. Okay, so welcome to the premiere edition of a new segment that I'm going to be ending every episode of Periality Radio with this is called Sandman Speaks and this is actually where I'm going to be giving um <clears throat> excuse me my own personal views and opinions about tonight's topic. Now I know you're probably thinking, well isn't the whole entire damn show your personal opinions and views on a particular topic? whatever it is that you're talking about in the evening, well, yes and no. It's just not that black and white. I present topics, what I talk about on my show are things that interest me, obviously. And I hope that it's things, these are things that interest you as well, otherwise you wouldn't be listening, right? But what I try to do, if you've ever heard... Me describe myself. I've always described myself as an open-minded skeptic. In other words, I, I I know and I believe in my heart of hearts that there are unknown and unexplained things out there. I want to get to the bottom of these things. I want answers. But I also am not going to believe just every cock and bull story that floats up out there. And I'm not going to fall victim to every little theory. Um, and when I talk about a particular subject. What I try to do is present the material in a manner that is as unbiased as I possibly can. I try to present the information and then let you, the listener, make up your own mind as to what you think the answer is or the solution to the problem, or the, you know, what solves the mystery, or whatever. <clears throat> now, some shows, obviously, I'm going to have a little bit more of my personal beliefs um, in there than others. Uh, I think the this particular episode right here is a prime example of that on the chemtrails. Um, I do happen to be a person that that believes that the chemtrails are real, that phenomenon is 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 a real thing. It's really happening. And I have my own opinions on those things. And, and I think that the government is using it to try to, or someone is using it to try to um, reverse or slow down the effects of global warming. And I think that this is having some unintended health consequences and stuff on us. And, and I suggest that you read up on the subject and research it and make up your own mind as to what you think is really going on. And if you think I'm full of shit, it's perfectly fine. You're well within your right to think that. And if if there's some sort of definitive proof that says that I'm full of shit, that I'm wrong, then I'll be the first to admit it. I mean, no one likes to be wrong, but hell, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Right? <clears throat> so, getting back to the Sandman Speaks topic. So, let me close down the show with this. This thought. There has been, when it comes to chemtrails, a history of lies upon lies. You have lies and more lies. Way back in 2001, 14 years ago, angry citizens had mustered enough physical evidence And thousands of photos and videos to make at least one congressman, Mr. Dennis Kunich, uh, include the phenomenon of chemtrails in a bill. It was H.R. 2977, the Space Preservation Act of 2001. This is where chemtrails were to be prohibited as an exotic weapons system. Now, after some closed-door discussions, the bill was reintroduced, H.R. 3615, with this portion of the prohibition omitted. Imagine that. So that you've got to have some sort of government influence in there somewhere, right? A review of the average surface temperatures over the last decade shows a decrease of half a degree. Okay? And that's not a lot but it's still a decrease in 10 years of half a degree, while atmospheric temperatures have undoubtedly been rising. And scientists are attributing this to chemtrails. Non-scientists such as myself have noticed that beautiful sunny days are often turned into overcast days by the crazy zigzag flights of jets. And, you know, we wonder if this could also cause bouts of respiratory illnesses and you see these zigzagging jets and all these all these weird flight patterns and all these chemtrails that are out behind them and it's not a contrail because contrails go away and these things are hanging around remember earlier i said you're going to see them on clear cloudless sunny days it's crazy at what you can see when you just pay attention to the skies. And no one in the government seems to want to address this situation. So the question, my friends, remains unanswered. Why won't the government come clean with the chemtrails? Is it because the aluminum and the other metallic substances have been responsible for poisoning our water and our air? Is it because there's a need to shield Military and corporate and business communications, and and that's a, a higher priority than the well being of the average people. We need answers to this, and we need them now. Not only do we need them, we deserve them. So, in a little homage, a little throwback to my friend, Citizen X, keep watching the skies, everybody. Keep looking up and expose the truth. I don't know if Agenda 21 is really in full effect here, but um, there is something definitely going on. Hello, Sandman. You may call me Citizen
1: X. I've listened to what you have to say about chemtrails, and I want you to know that you're on the right track, but you must look deeper. Chemtrails are responsible for environmental damage occurring to our planet through aerial distribution of toxic metals into the atmosphere. These are not persistent contrails. Agenda 21 is being enacted. Keep paying attention to the skies. Expose the truth.
0: I will be in touch with you again. So what do you think, ladies and gentlemen, sand fans, Are chemtrails real? Are they just some sort of stupid conspiracy theory? If they are real, what are their purpose? Are we trying to protect our electronics? Are we trying to protect our military and corporate? Are we trying to delay or prevent the effects of global warming? You know what I think about the situation. I invite you, dear Sand fans, to investigate for yourself and make up your own minds. Let me know what you think about that. Let me know what you find out. I'd be very interested to learn what you learn about chemtrails. Well, everybody, that pretty much does it for tonight's show. Let me know what you thought about it by sending me an email. That's sandman at parareality.com. Once again, that's sandman at parareality.com. Also, please remember to visit my website, which is www.parareality.com. That's where you can find out all kinds of information about the show. You can listen to current and past episodes. And if you click on the extras tab, you can join the official Parareality Radio Forum. It's free to join, by the way. You can uh, shop in Parareality Radio Store and even watch some show videos and other kind of fun stuff that I may post up there from time to time. By the way, FYI, I do not make any money off of the paraphernalia that I sell in the official Parareality Radio Store. Every dime that is... Made off of that goes right back into producing this show. So I ask you all, please support Para Reality Radio and help me keep this show on the air. Just by buying one product off of the web, out of the official store. Just help me keep the show on the air. I don't make any money off of this. This all comes out of my own pocket. I have no. Sponsors, no advertisers or anything like that. So if you would like to help support Parareality Radio, please visit the official Parareality Radio store and buy something to help me keep the show on the air. I would really appreciate it. <clears throat> also, please don't forget to look me up on Facebook, and you can find me on Facebook at sandman.parareality. That's sandman.parareality. You can hear the show on Facebook as well, and you can also find out more about what's going on in the world of parareality radio. Everybody, my next show is going to be available on Friday, March 6, 2015. Make sure you turn on, tune in, and find out. Everybody, I hope that this radio program opens your minds up to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and I will see you again next month, Friday, March 6, 2015. Turn on, tune in, and find out, everybody.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, from heart,
3: Anne and Nancy Wilson. Mm-hmm. She's buying a Stay away to heaven.